Good morning, my friend. Come on in and pull up a chair. Welcome to Brother Scott's Bible Breakfast. Good morning, everybody. I bet you've guessed by now that this isn't Brother Scott. It's my privilege to be able to come on and do his podcast devotional for the 20th episode this morning. My name is Jennifer. We've been married for close to 30 years, and I'm pretty excited to see him in this new venture. So when he asked me about doing the podcast with him today, he said, what would you like to do it? on and my first thought was well my first thought was revelation because that's what I'm teaching at school and he said I don't think so we can't dip our toes in revelation for a short Monday morning devotional and I was like well fair enough so I thought about another Bible study I was doing with a group of girls which is on Ruth and just in general, I love the Old Testament. The Old Testament makes me think of Friday nights at my grandmother's house in Pontotoc when she would ask us what was our favorite Bible story we'd want to hear before we went to sleep. It makes me think of my grandmother in Virginia and all the many times she um, taught me about things in the Old Testament, and it's just fascinating to me. I love the people we meet between the pages. I love the great saga found as God weaves his story throughout the ages and in the lives of people just like us. Um, So Ruth opens during the time of the judges. This is after Joshua dies, but before Saul is anointed king. And a great way to describe this time period is Judges 21-25, which says, everyone did what was right in his own eyes. Does that sound familiar? Yeah. um, uh, You know, we live in a world where people... uh, they make their own right and their own wrong. Uh, nobody's to judge me. But when I think of people doing what's right in their own eyes, I just think of uh, self. Uh, it's all about self. It's selfish. We're self-righteous. We're self-religious and self-governing. So, uh, yeah, uh, I don't think there's going to be a whole lot of difference in how they were then and we are now. Uh, just doing what's right in our own eyes. Nobody's going to tell us what to do. Exactly. And so during this time of the judges was a lot like riding a roller coaster with the nation of Israel. So they would follow God, they would follow his commands, and times would be good, and then they would fall away. They would worship other gods, they would do what was right in their own eyes, and God would send in a judge, someone to deliver them, to call them back to himself as they cry out in distress. And they would listen to God, and they would follow his way and times would be good and then we're just riding that roller coaster all over again I love what um, Kelly Minter has to say in her Bible study on Ruth when she says that sometimes when we read the Bible we're we're guilty or we're tempted to think of everything happening in Sunday school land where everybody's a neighbor everyone knows each other everybody goes to church together and that's just not true so when we open up in Ruth in chapter one the first two verses it reads during the time of the judges there was a 
famine in the land. A man left Bethlehem and Judah with his wife and two sons to live in the land of Moab for a while. The man's name was Elimelech, and his wife's name was Naomi. The names of his two sons were Malon and Kilion. They were Ephrathites from Bethlehem and Judah. They entered the land of Moab and settled there. So, immediately we see that Elimelech and his family find themselves in a time of famine. And we wonder, because we know they're living in the time of the judges, is this a judgment from God on the nation of Israel? And I would think that that is very likely. What does... Elimelech do in the face of this famine? Well, it doesn't appear that he depends on God. Uh, The Moabites are direct descendants of Lot and his eldest daughter and the incestuous relationship that they had to further the family line. They worship false gods, and God specifically tells his people not to seek their wealth or prosperity. He also said uh, in Deuteronomy chapter uh, 23, do not intermarry with the Moabites. The Moabites were just bad folks. You see in the Old Testament, they were, they were always a thorn in God's people's side. And, uh, and uh, the Moabites were of all places to go, to go and dwell with them and settle with them. Elimelech, his name means uh, God is my king. Bethlehem uh, literally means house of bread. So there was a famine in the house of bread. So he packs up his family and moves to be with the Moabites, the godless pagans. Now Moab, uh, in in the King James, in, in Psalm 108.9, God calls Moab his wash pot, uh, a filthy common pot you'd wash your feet in. Uh, so there was a famine in Bethlehem, but he would have been far better to stay there than to go to Moab. You know, we're better off with God in a famine than we are at a buffet with the devil. And I think Elimelech, when it's all said and done, he, he would have to look back and say, you know what, I'd have been better off staying home where God had planted me and uh, and not running off uh, to this godless place. He had he had a plan for them there. Uh, so he did what, in his own sight, in his own mind, he did what he thought was best. Um, Moab was a place of disobedience, and uh, so it put him and his family in a place of disobedience, outside of God's will, with these polytheistic, sexually immoral people that he plainly told, don't intermarry with these people that's you know right out of the gate that's what they did so you know I identify with the Israelites a lot especially in you know I would say things have been really different for me in the past five to ten years but before that I felt like I rolled the roller coaster a lot um you know, maybe not necessarily turning away from God, but not making him the ultimate focus and not beginning every day in time of scripture and prayer and waiting for those moments of desperation to um, really get my focus tuned in to where it should be. So I totally understand 
but I'll tell you the sweetness that has been found since then in just fully relying on God to meet every need, whether they're emotional or physical or spiritual, has been the greatest time of peace in my life that I've ever experienced. And I just hate it took me so long to get there. Um, so what do we... What is what we believe about God? How does that affect our relationship with Him? Well, so we have to know that our actions bring consequences. I mean, that's just common sense, right? But I don't want you to fall into the place where you think if things are not going well, whether it's financial strain or the strain uh, of a changing relationship or sickness, that that means it's judgment from God, because that's just not always true. Um, and how can I say that? Well, I would just look back at Job 1.6, where uh, Satan appears to God and um, and tells God, you know, tells God, well, of, of course, Job follows you. He has everything he needs and you have a hedge of protection around him. So to say that bad things like things that happen to Job come because you've been bad are just not true. Um, but one of the sweetest, best things to know is that um, God's presence is it's superior to all circumstances, whether they're good or bad. Yeah. Well, you see Elimelech, and, and, you know, the thing we need to learn, first of all, from him is, is that when we run into some trouble, we run into a famine in our life, a storm in our life, we don't need to pick up and run. Because uh, a lot of times we make decisions in haste, and there are going to be terrible consequences to pay. And Elimelech, if he was with us today, he would say amen to that. Uh, his decision to move his family into Moab had, had uh, deep consequences. Uh, death. Uh, Elimelech uh, uh, could have known before he made that decision the consequences. I, I don't think he would have ever left Bethlehem. Uh, his uh, sons both married Moabite women, which was a direct command from God not to do. And in turn, both of their boys, both of Elimelech and Naomi's sons, they died down in Moab. And eventually, Elimelech himself would die. So uh, left those two girls, uh, left the, their wives, uh, the boys' wives, uh, widows, uh, left Naomi a widow, and it all went back to that decision. So we need to be careful when we run, when we cut and run uh, from trouble, from hard times, from a famine, a storm in our life. And we need to know when we make those hasty decisions that uh, there's going to be consequences, that, uh, that uh, we just can't... Uh, Turn back the clock. So uh, it's easy to see that the lesson here, you know, for us, first of all, this morning is is uh, God takes us through storms for a purpose. And if we are in a relationship, a marriage gets a little tough, or we cut and run, I guarantee you there's going to be consequences for that. Uh, maybe with a job, maybe God's put us in a place and a time for a specific reason, and we get up and cut and run from every job that doesn't just rub us right every day. There's going to be consequences. There's there's blessings in being where God has put you uh, to bloom where you're planted. Now, it doesn't mean it's always going to be sunshine and roses, but God wants us to be our best in the storm and even in the famine. I love one of the 
questions that Kelly Mentor gives in her Bible study. She says, will we choose to flee to the forbidden land of prosperity, Moab, or choose the arid land of God's choosing? And that's something we have to get up and evaluate every day. The decisions that Christian make, a Christian might make in the um through the lens of looking at God's word and what he commands us to do and what he commands us not to do um, will not be understood in our culture and in a lost world many times. We don't always make the common sense uh, decision. Uh, You look, I'm living in a land of famine. Common sense tells me I need to move somewhere where there's plenty. Uh, But in this case... uh, God was calling them to choose him to be enough. He wanted Elimelech to choose God to be his bread in that famine. And we have to keep our eyes and ears open so that um, we see when God brings us to those same choices that we would choose uh, God to be our bread, God to be enough. Yeah. You know, you may be listening today and you may be in a dry spell in your life where it just hadn't rained and and uh, things are tough right now. Just know that, that God takes us through those seasons for a reason. Uh, don't cut and run. Uh, there are going to be times to leave jobs, and there's sometimes we have to end relationships. But um, God wants us to go through these times because uh, when we make a decision to cut and run, to to uh, uproot our family, to, to, to end our marriage and uh, have our kids go through that. We just need to know that there's going to be consequences. It's kind of like when you bake a cake. Uh, man, you get the flour out, the sugar out, the milk and all the things and you mix them together. About halfway through, you say, you know what? I don't like the way this is going. I, 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 I don't want to bake a cake. I want you to try to unmix the milk and the flour and the sugar and you're going to find you can't do it. And so we need to think about these things before uh, we do them. Don't cut and run. Bloom where you're planted. Let God use you in a, in a kind of a corrupt work situation, a, a hard relationship with a friend, maybe in a marriage that is just kind of on the rocks. Let God work in you and through you. Uh, Elimelech's bad decision had consequences that didn't only affect him, it affected his whole family, other people. And we need to remember that, that uh, our decisions to cut and run are going to affect other people. I want to give you four things real quick that uh, to help you bloom where you're planted, to, to weather the storm. Number one is control your thought life. We all need to learn how to control our thought life. We, we think about problems and, and uh, controversies and conflict sometimes that never come to be. We have to control our thought life. We can't fantasize about another marriage, another relationship that that we think is going to be perfect when we know good and well it won't be. Control your thought life. Accept change. Listen, folks, nothing stays the same in this world. Things are going to change. Technology changes. People change. The weather changes. So control our thought life and accept change that things aren't always going to be the same. And we need to learn to value what we have instead of what we don't have. Hmm. I'm sure that Elimelech could look back and see that things weren't that bad in Bethlehem. He should have looked at what he had versus the fantasy he had uh, of going to Moab. So control your thought life. We need to accept change. 
value what we have instead of what we don't have. And listen, here's a big one. Think beyond the moment. A lot of times we make decisions and we never think, where's this going to take me? What's going to happen down the road? How's this going to affect my spouse in the future? How's this going to affect my children? How is this going to affect my walk in the Lord? So control your thought life. Accept change. Value what you have, not what you don't have, and think beyond the moment. You got anything else this morning, Miss Jennifer? I just think that controlling your thought life really resonates with me. And, um, you know, it's kind of cliche, but people say, don't look at the size of your problem, look at the size of your God. But it's so very true. And when your thought life, when you're consumed with your problems, um, it's just going to lead to heartache and bad decisions. That's right. That's right. Well, it's good having Miss Jennifer at the breakfast table this morning. And we haven't been married 30 years. We've just been married 28. It'll be 29 next year. But who's counting? I said nearly 30. <laughs> All right, my friends. I hope you have a great week. I hope God blesses you. I hope if you're in a tough situation that, that God's word spoke to you this morning to bloom where you're planted. Uh, let me uh, Let me pray for you and then we'll be done. Father God, we thank you, Lord, for this day. God, thank you for your precious word. I thank you for Ms. Jen for being with us today. God, help us to to, uh, see things through your eyes, God. Give us the mind of Christ that when we go through storms and famines and dry spells, God, that we don't make decisions that we're going to regret for the rest of our lives. God, I pray you keep my friends safe this week. God, I pray that you'll prosper them this week. I pray, God, that you'll give us opportunities to share your love and the gospel message with those around us. Lord, we love you so much. Thank you for loving us first. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for stopping by and visiting with me. I'll meet you back here next Monday. God bless you and have a great week.